0: after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but catch this, but earnest prayer was for him was made to God by the church. Yeah. Earnest prayer. I read this same commentary that I read uh, gives gave a little background, of, uh, I guess, of what they learn or know about... Uh, uh, Herod uh, who was the king <coughs> he was the grandson of Herod the Great and if I'm not mistaken he's the one who tried to have Jesus killed you know he made the decree kill all the baby boys two years old and younger we're going to get rid of this king of the Jews well that didn't happen God had other, uh, other plans and God had some other preparations made but Herod is, they call him Herod Agrippa the I. Uh, he is the grandson of Herod the Great. He spent time uh, from, he was born in 10 BC, so uh, somewhere before that his mother and him went to Rome. He grew up uh, on intimate terms with the imperial family, uh, got in with that crowd and was, was not a nice guy. Uh, the writer here says that he was uh, kind of a playboy, uh, and so he he wasn't very great. Well we need, and we need to know some of these things about him, because it helps us to understand this. <coughs> when he was finally uh, given some uh, uh, tetrarchies, uh, and, and uh, under the, the reign of, of Claudius Caesar. Uh, and he had been him and Agrippa had been friends from youth. Uh, he had several more territories added to, so that by the time that he got to this place, he ruled the entire kingdom his grandfather had ruled. Now he, he this this guy this Her, this Agrippa Herod Agrippa the first is not a nice guy. Now, we've already figured that out. He, he kind of plays the game however it is. But one of the things it tells us that, that it says here about him, he look, took every opportunity during his administration in Palestine to win their affection. And he would find out because what he wanted, he was really a friend of Rome, you know. but what he really wanted was everybody to like him. Uh, and though they, he, though the masses of Judah hated his family, he was going to do everything he could, you know, to win their favor. He was going to buy them off, if you will. That's kind of how he, he did these things. And so there's a lot of things that he did. Uh, you see, the, the, the commentary says that he intervened on behalf of the Jews in the Alexandria for more humane treatment. Uh, he cajoled uh, Caligula not to carry out his insane plan of erecting a statue to himself as a god in Jerusalem. Okay, does that sound like something we know, say, from the book of Revelation? <laughs> Which I think that's probably what is, is going to happen when that time comes. But he did all of these things. And so, and many of the Jews viewed these days as the inauguration of better era, perhaps even the Messianic age. They already had the Messiah in the cage. They already had the Messiah, but they didn't recognize who he was, for who he was. Uh, His policy was to preserve Roman peace through preserving the status quo. Uh, And he was one of those guys. So as he arrested these, when he arrested Peter, it's interesting. I thought he killed James, but he arrested Peter later because he saw that killing James made a lot of those... Jews that were dissatisfied with this thing called Christianity, he arrested Peter. But he put him in prison because it was Passover. And he wasn't about to do anything to irritate the Jewish and especially the Jewish leadership, the religious leadership of the Jewish people. And and I, I to me I found that interesting. It's like, okay, you you know, why didn't he kill him? Well, he, he was he was planning a lot of stuff, which helps us to understand. It helps me, I don't know about you, but it helps me to understand more about this scenario. He kept Peter. Peter's in prison. Now, there's four squads of soldiers. Each soldier had a three-hour shift. Two of the soldiers would be chained to the prisoner. Two of them would stand guard at the door. That way nobody gets away, right? Right? But I like this part in verse 5 when it says, but the church, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Earnest prayer. The kind of prayer that we get to when we really start to mean business with God when the need is so great when the circumstance is so unbearable when it seems like we are just up against a wall like we we're, we're trying to to you know go we're trying to swim upstream and it's flood stage you know that that's pretty impossible you know, if you get in a river, there's a lot of people that are good swimmers that have probably died because they got in a raging river, maybe even trying to save somebody. But the, the power of that current, the power of that water, and the massive amount of that water that took their life trying to save somebody else is even though they were great swimmers. And sometimes in our lives, it feels like, Lord, I don't know about you, this is how I do Lord, am I doing something wrong? Lord, am I missing you somewhere? Is something, did, some, did, I, did I not get the memo? And I don't mean that disrespectfully to God, but sometimes I think people don't get the memo. They, they don't hear what God is trying to say. But I think this is important because it says that earnest prayer was made for Peter by the church. Why is that important? Peter is one of the leaders of the church. The Bible tells us about Peter that he was a pillar in the church. This is the same Peter that denied the Lord. This is the same Peter that, that Brother Jason was talking about falling off in the water because he took his eyes off of Jesus. It's the same Peter who, who took off the servant's ear when they come to arrest Jesus. He wasn't aiming for his ears. He's aiming for his neck. He was going to take the guy's head off of his shoulders. Either God or the man had sense enough to duck and got his ear, cut his ear off. Jesus had to tell him, Peter, put your sword up. They that live by the sword are going to die by the sword. And healed the man's ear. He was the servant of a man named Malchus. They would have understood who that was. They would have known who that guy was. But this is the same Peter who on the day of Pentecost stands up and begins to proclaim under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, preaches a, a sermon that 3,000 people get it added get added to the church. This is the same Peter who he and John are walking to the temple one day, and they see the lame man laying at the gate begging for alms, and they look at him and say, look at us. The guy said, oh, good. They're going to, you know, they didn't realize these Pentecostal preachers. You know, broke his, his Job's turkey. But what they had was far more valuable than any money would ever be. They said, look on us. Peter said, look on us. We don't have any silver. We don't have any gold. But What we got, we're going to let you have. And he reached for and said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And a miracle of recreation in a man's body took place. Now, I've told you this before, but I'm going to reiterate it because it bears... Repeating when that man, that man had never walked a day in his life, there was no balance. there was no equilibrium for standing. There was no muscle mass, there was no ligament mass. There was nothing there but skin and bones. The thing I know about this, the, the less you use your muscles, the more they atrophy and get smaller. But the Bible says that in an instant, God gave him muscles. God gave him the ability to jump up and leap. And walking and leaping and praising God, he goes into the temple. What did they have? They had something that was more valuable than money will ever be. They had the power of God in their lives. And it was far more valuable to him that man because they would make such a they isn't this the one. Isn't that the guy that that has been out there for years? Yeah, it looks like him. He's going to know, I am he. I am the one. I that's I'm that guy. I was that guy. There's a sermon all of itself. I was that man. I was that man you're talking about, but look what Jesus has done for me now. I was that individual, but look at what Jesus has done for me now. This same Peter. Why did God allow him to get arrested? God had a plan. God was not about to allow him to go off and for Herod to kill him. God wasn't going to let that happen. And the church was going to do what they could do. May I tell you something tonight, church? People, and I've heard Christians say this, and sometimes I've been guilty of saying it myself. Well, I can't do much, but I can at least pray. That's the first thing we ought to be doing. That is our link to God. That is our connection to the power, to the very throne room of God. That is our connection. Because He's God. But the church knew they had been taught. They had learned some things in those few short years maybe I don't even know if it had been years yet but they had learned they had been taught here is your connection here is your power source we can have the, uh, the fanciest sound system and, and, and camera system and lighting system there is but let me tell you something if og shuts the power off we're back to the old days Tor- not to- I started to say torches, but not quite that far back. Lanterns anyway. <laughs> I don't remember those. But you know, but you remember there were days. you had the lanterns. Well, cool old lanterns. I've still got a few of them at home in case the electricity goes out. At least we got a little bit of light. Yeah. But you see, they had a power there's a power source, and our prayer time is that time that connects us to the power source of God. Is it important? Go back and look at the the Gospels. Look at how many times do they say, and Jesus went up to a mountain to pray. If Jesus needed to talk to the Father, being the Son of God, how much more do you and I need to go talk to the Father consistently and constantly? And it doesn't bother Him at all. That's His pleasure. It is, pleases Him when we go to Him. But Lord, sometimes I need to grow up. You, but you're always going to need God every day of your, and every hour of every day of your life. That's what they knew. That's what they understood. And they began to do earnest prayer. I don't know how they prayed. It does not matter how they prayed. What matters is they offered earnest prayer. It wasn't a written down prayer. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't misunderstand me. But they, were, they didn't have time to write it down. It was time to get on their knees and get before God and begin to seek His face. Peter is asleep in prison, chained to two guards, Two of them are watching at the door. And the Bible says, the angel of the Lord appeared. The angel of the Lord appeared. Why? Because there were some people praying. Behold, the angel of the Lord stood next to him. Verse 7 in chapter 12. And a light shone in the cell. Hmm, must have been dark. And he struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. He said to him, Wrap your, wrap your clothes. Isn't this, isn't this interesting? The angel has to tell Peter how to get ready to go somewhere. Peter's a grown man. But the Bible makes it clear that Peter thought he was in a dream. He wasn't. This was, Oh, this is a great dream. I, I love this dream. Yeah, but I'm dreaming. He said, you wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And he did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went into one street, along one street, and immediately the angel left him. God is still in the delivering business today. That's why Jesus came. When we celebrate Christmas, sometimes I'm sometimes I, I, I concerned that we want to leave him in that manger or we want to leave him on the cross, or we want to leave him at the tomb. But church, my Bible tells me that on the third day he rose again and he is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high and he ever lives to make intercession for his people. What is Jesus doing tonight? He's talking to the Father about us. He's talking to the Father about you. He's interceding. He's interceding. What does that mean? To me, that means He's pleading our case before the Father. He pleaded Peter's case and the church's case before the Father, and the Father sent the angel down there, had to wake Peter up. I not thought about this, but I wonder if Peter's side hurt afterwards. The Bible says the angel smote him. Now, to I me, mean, the word smote carries a pretty pretty swift consequence. Yeah, ow. He was that asleep. I, I said this before. Peter was at peace. He was going to be all right. God to take care of it. The Bible says that he went out, went to the door, and we know the story. He knocks on the door and says, It's me, Peter. Let me in. The little girl runs back. Rhoda went and runs back. Peter's outside the door. Are you out of your mind, girl? What? how sad that the church was going. They've been praying for Peter, and Peter's at the door, and the little girl tells them, the young lady tells them, Oh, Rhoda, just here and stuff. Oh, it's probably just his angel." Well, even if it's his angel, go answer the door. And finally they went back. Oh, oh, there's Peter. And they started having a ruckus. They they probably started having a little Pentecostal runaway, if you want to know, I think. Peter had to, you know, nip it right now. He wasn't going to get them in trouble. But God delivered Peter. Because there was a group of people, and the Bible does not tell us how many there were. But there were a group of people that were willing to pray. They were willing to believe God, even though they were astonished when the answer came. probably didn't come the way they would asking God to do it. I don't need to know how he's going to do it. I don't need to know when he's going to do it. I don't need to know what method or where and what all he's going to use to make it come to pass. All I need to do is believe that when I go before God, I have my need and my request that I ask of him. As God's people. If Jesus, if God took, you stop and think about it. I wasn't going to talk about the Christmas story, but it fits. And I'll tell you why. If God took the time and the effort to get this world ready and provide a Savior, announce Him to shepherds with one angel and then a multitude of them. Tell beforehand hundreds of years before He came how He would be born, where He would be found, what city He would be born in. Plan The Bible says before the foundation of the world, before God ever put this earth and this universe in existence, that plan that came to pass on the night that Jesus was born had been put into place back, way back in eternity before it was ever on earth. If he went to that much trouble... Why did he go? John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. Church, if God went to that much church, Apostle Paul puts it this way. If God, and I'm going to put it how I understand it, okay? The way I would. If God willingly gave us the one thing He could not recreate, He can make a new world, He can make a new heaven, new earth. He's going to do it one of these days. The Bible tells us He will. You know, I've told my kids sometimes, you know what? I can take you out and make another one look just like you. I mean, I've been that aggravated at them sometimes. I didn't, thankfully, I'd be in prison. But God can take everything that exists as we know it now, destroy it in an instant, and put a brand new one in its place in the instant afterwards. But he could not and would not replace his son. Paul puts it this way If he spared not his own son, how shall he not with his own son? I'm going to put that in there because that's the way I understand it. How shall he not with his own son give us all things? What do we need to do? Earnest prayer. Well, that takes time. Yes, it does. And church, in this day and hour that we live, whether we're here, whether it's in, somebody watching from another church somewhere, it's all across the world. What the church needs to do is start giving some earnest prayer to things. I am convinced in my heart if a group of people can sit there and get together and pray for the deliverance of one man, What can we do if we pray for the deliverance of a community, of a state, of a country, of a world? Earnest prayer. It's time-consuming. It means giving up some. It's sacrificial. But it's worth every effort we can make. Whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation. Sister Carol, I don't know how long you've been praying for that family situation, but God brings it to pass. It's probably taken a lot of prayers, and it's probably taken a lot of seeking God, a lot of earnest prayer, but God is working. God is working. God help us to realize we have that privilege. We have that opportunity. You bow your heads with me tonight. Father God, thank you for your word. Lord, I know that when you when these men write these things down, when Luke wrote the book of of Acts, he wasn't just telling a story. He wasn't just presenting history. He was showing us what you will do on behalf of people that will seek your face. Father, I pray, Lord God, tonight that whatever our need is, collectively or individually, Lord, don't we take the time. May we sacrifice it if we have to, the time to do that earnest praying. Because if we do, your word says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We can see things changed We can see things brought to pass that you want done in our hearts and in our lives. That every head bowed and Christians pray. I trust tonight that all of us here know the Lord. If you don't, today's the day. How does earnest prayer start? It starts with that simple prayer, Lord, I'm a sinner. You're the Savior. I need you to save me from my sins and mean it with all of your heart. If you're here tonight and you don't know Him, that's where it starts. If you're here and you don't know that for sure, would you raise your hand? If you're watching tonight or sometime later, you, you, this is airs and, or you catch it at some other time, there is a God who loves you. The reason we celebrate Christmas is because God gave the gift of salvation to all mankind. God wants you and His family so much that He sent His only begotten Son, the one thing He could not recreate, to die, to live, and to die, and to rise again, so that you could have life eternal. You could have everlasting life through Jesus. The Bible says, No man comes unto the Father except the Spirit draws him. Jesus said, no man comes, you've got to come through me to get to the Father. He says, I'm the door. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But you can. All you simple. Mean from your heart, Lord, I'm a sinner. Jesus, you're a Savior. The only Savior that can rescue me and can save my soul from an eternity without God to an eternity with God. You'll say that and mean it in your heart. And then tell somebody. Let them know the decision you've made. And you, too, can know this. And that prayer starts, that praying starts there. And it just continues to go from there. As you grow and as you develop, we need God. Lord, show me stuff. Lord, I need to understand your word better. And he will do it because he loves you that much. I pray tonight that you'll do that. The greatest gift you will ever give yourself is a relationship with God through Jesus. Father, I pray tonight for this church. I pray, Lord God, that as we continue to seek your face for your will for this church, Lord, it may take some deep down, hard, earnest prayer, but Father God, you are still in control and you are still going to do what you want to do and nothing and no one will stand in your way until you get it accomplished. And we thank you, Lord, for it. We thank you, Lord, for the answer for our hearts and lives. Lord, whatever our circumstance, whatever situation,